thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. Well, I am delighted to welcome the wonderful Chelly Campbell to Wow Whispering. And we're going to have an opportunity to do some wows and do some whispering together. And before I tell you any more about this amazing woman I've known for some time, let me just invite you, Chelly, please say hello to our listeners who are with us today. Oh, hello, everybody, and hello, Diane. It's so good to talk to you. You know, Shelly and I, I will confess the truth. We, we got on to record this, and we already started talking. I said, oh, wait a second. We got to make sure everybody's with us here. So um, before we jump into what could be quite a wonderful ranging conversation, I want to tell you a little bit about Shelly's background. Now, Shelly Campbell does something quite unique. She treats money disorders spending bulimia and income anorexia. And for those of you who don't know Chelly, you may say, what the heck is that? Well, she is the creator of the Financial Stress Reduction Workshop. And she has done this long enough that she has now had so many people say, oh my gosh, I love what this is about. Do you think I could become a coach at some point? So Chelly created a certification course for financial stress reduction coaches throughout the U.S. And she's an author of not one book, but three amazing books. Let me just share the titles with you. The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire, and From Worry to Wealthy. They're all published by Sourcebooks, Inc., and they're in seven countries and six languages. She's also one of Marcy Shimoff's Happy 100 in the New York Times bestseller, Happy for No Reason. And she's in many other popular books as well. Chelly's a past president of the LA chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners. Some people know it as NABO. And she was Los Angeles District SBA, Small Business Administration, Women in Business Advocate. And you can learn even more about Chelly on her website, which is Chelly.com. But I want to share something with you. And Chelly, I'm going to just so that this is the latest news, and you shared this with me the other day, you're going to be speaking at a rather remarkable venue, <laughs> and it's going to be the inaugural women's conference for the Women's Poker Association. So tell us about that, Shelley. I know. Isn't that just a kick in the pants? I love it. <laughs> you know, everybody's got to have a hobby, and I play poker. I've been playing poker seriously since 1992. And so I was poker when poker wasn't cool. Okay, now we have <laughs> online poker, we have poker everywhere. It's just wonderful. But um, people often have said to me, well, you're a financial professional and you gamble? <laughs> you know, oh, it's just like, I have friends who are like accountants or CPAs and they play poker, but they never talk about it because oh. they don't want anybody to know because it's like gambling. And I just say, what in life isn't a gamble? Yeah. I mean, there's not a house that can't burn down, a stock that can't lose its value. You don't even know you'll be alive tomorrow, all right? 
So I actually, in my latest book, my third book was From Worry to Wealthy, which is especially for women. It's subtitled, A Woman's uh, Guide to Financial Success Without Distress. So uh-huh. in that, I expanded on the poker and I made a whole chapter, The Amazing Things I Learned About Business from Playing Poker. I love it. That's so, fantastic. Because you know, people have it that that cards even are bad. And it's funny because, you know, there's this kind of set of judgments that people come to. And you're, so you're, you're really giving people a chance to step outside that, right? You know, I'm a big time out of the box thinker from way back. I just never wanted to fit myself into one of those cubbyhole cubicles in corporate America. I was clear about that. But in my day growing up, it was the 60s when I went to high school and college. And what do you want to be when you grow up was the ass, but it was really kind of, yeah, we know if you're a woman, you're going to be a secretary, uh, a nurse, or a teacher, or a mom at stay at home. I didn't like any of that list. None of that worked for me. But I was singing and dancing and uh, got into the school plays and went, well, this looks like fun. I could do this for a living and I'm not in a box and I'm, I'm having fun. So I, I went for that. But it was really because there was no role model for business ownership for women. There's, you know, the Congress was all male. Corporations were all male. On the news, it was all men. I mean, I think it was Barbara Walters was like the first female television anchor. I mean, it's crazy what we've lived through. I love what you're saying, Shelley, because you remind me of a, of a little story. I'll be brief about it. But at a certain point when I was looking around to what am I going to do? Because what I was doing wasn't, wasn't inspiring me. I decided with some help of somebody who said, oh, you could go off and be an art director. And I thought, well, how do I do that? So yeah. I opened up the phone book. Back in those days, we had these big heavy phone books. Yeah. And I looked under, I thought, I need to talk to an employment agency. And I looked under employment agencies and all of the ads are these big pictures of women's secretarial positions. And I thought, yeah, that's not what I want. I yeah. love that you brought that up, Shelly, because it was pervasive. It was everywhere. It was even in the media, there was no other avenue that was even considered available. But you know what? I found a teeny little two-line classified ad that said graphic arts personnel. And I thought, I better go talk to them. They're different. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So for me, it was just, you know, I um, I took dance lessons because I really enjoyed dancing. And then I was walking home from school one day and I always walked home from school and I had some buddies who walked with me and the, I said, hey, you want to walk home? Oh, no, I'm trying out for the play. And I said, well, what do you have to do? Well, you have to sing. Well, I was too scared to sing. I sang in church choir and in the bathroom. I thought I sounded pretty good, but to stand in front of people and say, no, no, not happening. So uh, they said, well, there's a dance audition too. You could do that. I said, oh yeah, I could do that. I've been taking ballet for eight years, you know. So I went to the dance audition and they cast me. I had more fun rehearsing that play than I had ever had in my life. How old were you again? Pardon? How old, oh, how old was I? That was, that was uh, I guess I was 14. Okay, so you were just on the verge of kind of discovering new aspects of your personality. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was like a freshman in high school. 
And so I, um, I got into this play and I, here's a fun group of talented people making stuff up, you know, inventing the business, inventing the blocking, telling the joke a bunch of different ways. All of that I loved. Later on when I did acting professionally, I discovered that rehearsal was the part I liked and performance I didn't <laughs> like. Because if a, uh, a long run in high school and college was three weekends. I, I did Hello Dolly with Martha Ray and the lead guy doing Hello Dolly had been doing eight shows a week of Hello Dolly for three years. Oh my gosh, that's I a lot of hello. It was, like, <laughs> it was like working on a factory assembly line, so I had to get out of that. Talking about getting outside the box, you even got outside the box of acting into a place that most people don't typically go. No. And what did you what did you find? What I'm intrigued with is so when you decided to do that, what did you discover when you got into it about yourself and kind of how it was for you? Here is the big discovery. Um I liked the people. It was an executive search firm and all of the people were young and excited and making a lot of money. And it was a small company. There were maybe 10, 12 people there. And the way they treated me, I was just a temp secretary for two weeks. The way they treated me was, could you please write me this letter? Oh, thank you. Oh, that was great. And there was a lot of that. Well, see, I like, be I'm an acknowledgement junkie. I, I like being complimented <laughs> and people treat me nice. So then they asked me to go full-time permanent. I said, I can't do that. I'm an actress. And they said, well, when you need to go on an audition, you can go. Well, that's a dream job for an actor, right? But yes. five, five months later, their office manager quit and they promoted me into that job. And that was handling the finances of the company and all, you know, office administration. And I was in charge. Well, you know what? I had been president of groups in high school and college. And I thought, well, okay, so I just do that. And I took to it and they liked it and they gave me more money in my own office. And I went, well, this is kind of cool. And I did not expect to be so good at it, but I was because I could see how to make money. So that was my gift. It wasn't uh, that I was great at the, you know, adding and subtracting and keeping the numbers in order. I could do that, but that wasn't it. It was seeing how the money flowed, who was making money, who was making sales, how we were able to charge it. Then they wanted to open up a branch office. And I said, well, you don't need to reproduce me down there. Just send all this stuff up here and I'll take care of both of them. So, ah. oh yeah, yeah. I was good at convenience, efficiency, and make a lot of money in the shortest amount of time. Now, well, you know, what I'm, what I'm intrigued by, when you say make a lot of money in the shortest amount of time, uh -huh. I'm going to just for a second say, well, no wonder you love poker because you can make a lot of money in a short amount of time there on one hand, but right. you have to be prepared. So right. here's what I'm intrigued with. You know, one of the things when I think about wow and I think about whispering, is sometimes this shift in life sort of takes you by surprise and you, you, you almost say wow because there's no other way to describe it. But sometimes right. it sneaks up on you and it kind of whispers in the background and you think you're doing one thing and then all of a sudden you find yourself going in another direction. I'm wondering which of those words, if either one or maybe both apply to this 
Sounds like a shift that was occurring for you. Yes, it was. And it was a series of whispers. Uh, a series of whisper, whisper here, whisper here. Whisper one was, uh, you know, we're going to promote you into this job that, and I'm going, I don't know anything about that. How can I do that? And they said, eh, we'll train you, you'll learn it. And I went, well, shoot. Yeah, I'm pretty good at figuring stuff out. So I'll give it a shot because here's the thing. If I take a shot, I got a 50, 50 chance. It'll work out. If I don't take the shot, I'm doomed. I have no shot. So I just always go for it because what's the worst that can happen? I fail and then I go back to what I was doing before. Well, so, you get a no, right? You get a no. And yeah. Then so those were the whispers. Yeah. And then okay. I go off and audition for something and I just stopped being very enthused about it. Like, well, I got offered the lead in Three Penny Opera at the Houston Alley Theater in Texas. And I went, Oh, well, that'll be three months and then I'm out of work and I have to try and find a job like this again or just go back to being the part-time secretary for two weeks. Yeah, that didn't look good. And uh, I'm sitting here, am I really going to stop being an actress? I really sat with this decision. I called up a friend of mine who was an actor also. And I said, here's my dilemma. And she did the most important thing. And this started as a whisper, but became the wow. What was it? She said, so what is it you like about acting? I said, well, I like the creativity and I like the people and I like going to work and working on it every day. And it's fun. And I like the applause and acknowledgement and I like the money. She goes, and what do you like about this director of administration job you've got? I said, well, I really like the people and I like how we make stuff up every day and I get to go to work every day. It's solid and they're very complimentary. So I like all the applause and I really like the money too. She goes, oh, oh. it's the same list. Oh my gosh. She says it's the same list. And I went, How did that hit you? <laughs> it hit me like a ton of bricks. I went, damn, I got to think about that. And then I looked at what is the value you get out of things, not what is the surface title of it. And I said, I'm getting everything I want from this job. It's not performing, but it's performing in a different way. But the part that I liked was rehearsal anyway, which was the small group, not being endless repetitions of having applause from a big audience. So that was very important for me to figure out when I started teaching workshops. This was really, really key. So that came a little bit later, right? You had That was much later. That was when you did something also pretty risky. And I'm intrigued with sometimes when people have uh, this a sense of what is a wow. A lot of times what I was thinking about as I was preparing for our conversation, I thought, wait a minute. Sometimes people think of a wow as being what you say about somebody else and what you notice about them. But when it happens to you, you may or may not get it right away. And you don't necessarily say it to yourself, but maybe you do. I'm intrigued with now you had this great job, but at a certain point, something started calling you to another way to do it. Yes. Well, 
Well, what happened is I stayed there for about four years. You know, I okay. wrote my agent a letter. I said, I'm done. And I know this was the right decision, even after 16 years of being in school, pursuing acting, being a drama major at UC Santa Barbara, and then professionally for eight years in between, you know, just sequentially. And mm -hmm. I am no longer an actor. And it was a shift and it was hard. That was a big wow to write my, my agent a letter and say, I'm done. But I know now looking back on that, that it was such the right decision that I never ever did another play in my life. I didn't do community theater. I didn't try and get on a show anywhere, nothing, zero. So it was all formative. All of that was a part of the path that I was to live this life, but not realizing that that wasn't the whole path. So uh -huh. when people are not sure of their path or if they're working on their purpose, it's like I say, you're always on your path. You're on your purpose right now. Everything you're experiencing now is a lesson of learning and training you for the next step. And you don't always see it. You don't see the end goal. You see an end goal. You see a goal that you're pursuing, that you're taking steps towards. Uh, but you don't see the final goal. You just see them in sequence. It's like walking down a street. And there's tall buildings on either side. So you can't see what's over there until you get to the crossroads. And now you see the another street and what's down that street might look more attractive than going straight ahead to what you thought you were going for. And you go, oh, well, now that looks better. I can do that. And you go down that road. And now your whole but life I, is different. I can kind of give our listeners a little background. Having observed uh, the opportunity to hear Chelly speak to groups of people in a business situation or a networking situation, Shelley may not have done any plays in the time that she <clears throat> formally, excuse me, the frog has now finally shown up for my voice. Let me take a second. <laughs> I know those froggies in the voice. Oh my. So Shelley may not have done any plays, but here's what I noticed about Shelley is often asked to speak to people about her expertise in the area of financial stress reduction. And when she does, People sit up in the chair and get excited because Chelly, the actor, comes out to play. <laughs> and that's a, that's a gift, but it's also a skill that you clearly honed earlier yeah. in your life. But guess what? It never left you and you can call upon it whenever you want. You know, that's so accurate. And that's why not, one of the things I always tell people who are worried about their children becoming actors and, oh, it's going to be so stressful and it's so hard. And, oh, then there's all of this bad stuff that happens. I go, listen, they're either going to make it or they're not. But whatever they do, they're going to have rich experiences. If you learn to be able to be an actor, you are learning as a psychologist to understand the motivations of other people. You learn to read other people's expressions. You learn how to create in the group settings. You learn teamwork. And you can get up and speak from your voice to other people, which is a huge skill in any business endeavor you go into. So I tell them it's going to be okay. 
<laughs> now, I'm going to say that Chelly has done something even more uh, outside the box, because that's a theme we're noticing here, that Chelly is a great shining example of for people who are saying, uh, am I going to be okay here? Chelly, I'm going to say, you take that even one step further into the world of poker, because it's creative, it's thinking on your feet, it's being right. with other people, literally around a table, everybody's tuned in to this group activity. Now, the and goal of the group activity is to win the pot. Yeah. The process, I'm going to say there's a collaborative nature to how that occurs that I'm not sure people who play poker, would they see it that way or would they say something? No, that's not really collaborative as I am. What are you talking about? I'm interested in the dynamic of it. Well, it's just like any other business endeavor or group endeavor club or anything else. There are people, everybody's playing the game differently. They're playing their own game. You know, there's an inner game that we're all about all the time. So some people are there to beat other people up and to scream and yell and throw things and get out their aggressions. I see those people. And some people are there to just be quiet and hang back and make a little money. Or some people play not to lose money, okay, uh -huh. instead of play to win money. So there's that difference. So one of the fun things, just like acting for me, is sitting at a poker table, seeing who everybody is, what kind of a character, where are they coming from? And um, so you're playing the people, not the cards, generally speaking. You know, the first level of poker is looking at what is the hand you're trying to make? Are you trying to make a flush, a straight? You have three of a kind and you hope to make a full house. It, it, that's what people are trying to do. That's level one. What am I trying to get? Level two is what are the other people trying to get? Level three is what do those other people think I'm trying to get? Okay. <laughs> and it just goes deeper. So yeah. it's like, and then you're figuring out risk reward ratios and odds, you know, Okay, I know my odds of flopping a flush are 11 to 1. So am I going to play this flush <laughs> card in this situation based on who's raised and called ahead of me? You know, what, what are my chances? And you take some chances against the odds sometimes, but the smart players are pretty much playing the odds most of the time. And they're reading people. Reading people is the most important skill. So it's like when I see testimony happening in politics from different people, mm -hmm. I know who's bluffing, who's lying through their teeth. You can tell I learned it in the acting and I learned it in poker. Those things reinforce themselves. I begin to see who's who. You know, that's very, um, very important in life is who are you playing the game of life with? Yeah, and what you just said, you said, who are you playing the game of life with? You didn't say, who are you playing the game of life against? And that is a huge difference in, I'm going to say, philosophy and viewpoint and what you bring to any given moment. You bring with. Right. That's very good because I was talking about poker, which is a competitive game. So you're playing against these competitors. Yeah. But I... And I know my, my job is to win the money, okay? That's the goal yeah. of it. But to me, see, in a, it, there's a difference between cash game and a tournament. 
in a tournament, everybody pays $100, say, and so now you have a prize pool, and one person is going to get most of the prize pool. The, um, so your job is to get every chip you can get. So you want to bust people, okay? In a cash game, there are people who play that way. I don't play that way in a cash game. Okay, for me in a cash game, I want to be with nice people and have a fun day. I'm a recreational player. Okay, this is not how I make my living. But I want to get along with people. I want to play with nice people. And the poor old guy who I know is on a limited income on Social Security, I do not have to take his last chip because it's not a tournament. I don't need to bust him. Okay, so we have that kind of thing when you play a game with regular players, you, you, you treat them differently. You there are other players that would not agree. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and what's fascinating is you can take the same situation, whether it's acting, whether it's uh, financial coaching and advice, or whether it's poker, three seemingly disconnected realities that you've connected in a natural and authentic way for yourself, and you see there are many different ways to play each game. What Shelley does is she gives people an opportunity to see life not as a game that is superficial, but as a game that allows you to have fun. And this idea, I wanna just mention something that, that Shelley has said about herself. She says, I'm one of the few financial coaches who makes making money fun and funny. I put the fun back in funds. <laughs> yes, yes. Because most people who talk about money and finances are so dreadfully dull. And most people have never taken a class in, you know, how to make or manage money or financial literacy, which isn't taught in our school system still, creates yeah. an unlimited market niche for me. So, okay. But <laughs> I really would prefer more people knew how it worked. Because what happens is then when people don't know, we are at the mercy of the people who do know and advertise all the time, which are banks, financial planners, mortgage brokers, all of the people that are in a financial arena. And they're, what are they telling you? You're going to be broke, old, and sick unless you invest all your money with me. Oh my gosh, that's the worst message. And you see it everywhere. You see people spending very huge ad budgets and then yeah. you start reading it. It's like, please take me away from this. I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> I know. And I really don't think life is about retirement. I do not think that is the end goal of life. I do not plan to retire. I'm 70 years old. I am excited about life still. I plan to always be excited about life. It's like Dame uh, Judy Dench in her autobiography, they asked her if she was going to retire. She goes, oh, people always ask me that. She was 79 at the time. Oh, yeah, people <laughs> always ask me that. But you know what? People retire to do what they love. I'm doing what I love now. So exactly. why would I retire? There's always going you to know, be a part for a little old lady in a wheelchair. Well, speaking of little old ladies, my grandmother started her last business in her early 80s. And when I mean my, her yeah. last business, she had run my grandfather's plumbing business. He was a very good plumber, but did not have a head for business. So yeah, she right. ran it on her dining room table. That's where I had my first job. And I thought, hey, you can have a business at home. What a great idea. Little did I know she was just ahead of her time. Yeah. But I wanted to share with you that she had this irrepressible way about her. When she was, during the war, uh, World War II, 
she was one of those Rosie the Riveters type of people, right? Uh -huh. But then she ran the business and then, which is of course, she was in men's world all to begin with. But then when she was in her 80s, she said, okay, so my husband has passed away. My kids have told me that I can't run this business anymore because I'm not the plumber with the license. So, okay, uh -huh. what can I do? And she said, oh, I live two blocks away from Tufts University in Massachusetts. I know what I'll do. I have a bed and breakfast. So she marched herself up to their administration office and said, hi, I'm your neighbor. Do you occasionally have people that come here because they're either going to do a lecture or they're visiting someone and like a place to stay to where they, they can walk to where they're going? And they said, sure, we'd love that. So she had this bed and breakfast and people loved her because she was just a regular old person, lovely woman, but she had something. And I'm mindful of this because of you, Kelly. She had a little stuffed elephant that had a special chair that he sat in it was a place of honor and his trunk was always up. Uh -huh. and he was her, he was her bingo. Good luck. She was a big bingo <laughs> player. She loved oh, it. Yeah. And she always made money at bingo. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. It's just all fun. If, and it's supposed to be fun. And what I like to tell people who are all into the retirement game, I go, you know, you really got to look at statistics. Okay, this is what poker taught me. Look at the odds, look at the statistics. And all of these people are giving bad statistics. They're saying, oh, you're going to live till you're 100, or it's projected that this is a growing segment, and, you know, baby boomers are retiring at 10,000 a day, so Social Security is running out of money, and everybody goes, oh, oh, about it. It's not true. What's true? is that 29% of the American public dies before they ever get to age 65. Oh my gosh. Okay. So There's if you're a number. 65 to do what you love, big mistake. Okay. Well, okay. You got a 66% per percent chance you're going to make it. Okay. So let's go with that. Well, after retiring at age 65, a third of those people are dead in two years. So we lose another 33%. Now, just think about this. I'll ask you this question. I do this survey with people all the time. Okay. What percentage of the American public do you think is age 65 and over? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm going to take a ridiculous guess and say 25%. You know, the usual answer is 30 to 40%, and people have said really? as much as 55%. <gasps> Yikes. But that's wrong. The actual okay. number is 13. Ooh, so I'm way over two. I had a funny feeling. Yeah. I have no clue. Yeah, but it's because we're brainwashed all the time by you're going to live to 100 and you're going to be old and sick and you better save all your money right now, right? No, it's only 13%. And when you go to this figure 75 and over, it goes down to 6.5%. And over 85 is 2%. Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're not going to live all that long. So you better be having fun now. And see, I'm all about the fun. I want to have money. I got to make money. I'm going to save some money, but I'm also going to figure out what's the work I love that I can charge good money for and live very comfortably along with my social security and everything else. Cause social security is not running out of money. 
as much as the Republicans would like to suggest. <laughs> <laughs> well, and take it from a woman who knows money from many different angles. In your book, The Wealthy Spirit, um, Shelly has done something very important. And I would encourage people to check her out on Amazon because all her books are there. And in The Wealthy Spirit, she has what she calls operating instructions. And right. those operating instructions give people six principles to really, I'm going to say, underpin their lives, really sort of recognize what they can do about money. But then she does something really creative and fun. She gives people a page a day to read. And some people read it from beginning to end. Some people read it from the end to beginning or middle outwards. Uh -huh. You give people a way to make it their own so that it's not just the dry sort of formula, but it's the examples of bringing this into your everyday life. Yes, and people use it as a way to start the day. I've talked to couples who read it together every morning to start their day. Now, when I got the idea for the book, um, I really got it from the Daily Word that I read every day as a, like a little motivational piece. And um, I, I went to the bookstore and I looked at all the money books and they're, they're all, you know, retirement and saving and budgeting and all of that. And I went, well, it's got to be more expansive than that because I can see that the wealthy people often have no spirit and the spiritual people are all broke. So why can't we connect these two things? Because I believe we're spiritual beings having a material existence. And that means we're supposed to master both of them, not deny one or the other. So there's a duality we have to mix in. So I thought, uh, if I, I knew there were a lot of page a day books. And I thought, I could do my book as a page a day book and have it inspirational and bring in the spiritual as well as the money piece so that everybody would have pages that they really resonated with, but other pages that they didn't so, but knew they needed to learn it, but would just put up with it kind of. And I really thought that some people, a very few people I thought would make it all the way through. I thought people would put it in the bathroom and just open it random and do that kind of thing. Um, I didn't expect that people would read it a page a day, every day, and then with the new year, start over and do it wow. again. I got a request from a, a vice president at JP Morgan on LinkedIn to connect. And I said, sure, how did you find me? He said, I've been reading a page a day of the wealthy spirit every day since 2005. Oh my I, gosh. I know, I went, what? I had no idea that people would respond to it like that. But I wanted to make it fun for me to write it and fun for people to read it. So I have funny stories in there and I have cute bits, you know, and I have a positive thought for every day and affirmation. And, and people have really responded to it, which has been just great, just lovely. I think you've done something brilliant, Chelly, and you were kind of ahead of the pack on this. Even though, yes, there are page-a-day books, they're mostly just short little snippets of information, but you tell a story each day, and you do it in a way that I think fits with what I've noticed. We've now been taught a different way to read, and we've mm -hmm. been taught to read online by jumping around from topic to topic and page to page and site to site, and yeah. mini blurb to mini blurb. 
And so what, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm saying it's different. And what I think you've done is you've given people a chance to do the spontaneous in a way that is becoming more and more kind of the way we do our learning and our, our accumulating knowledge. Would, would you say that kind of is a bit of a fit? Yes, but that was unintentional because <laughs> when I started writing the book, it was 1998. No, very few people even had a website then, you know, it was just yeah. starting. There wasn't email. There wasn't, I mean, there might've been a little email, but not much, not like the way it is today. And there was no social media. Facebook was a dream. It had not happened yet. Not, not all that we're dealing with. And all of this uh, chopped up attention span didn't exist. But I knew there were page a day books and I enjoyed starting the day with a page a day. And I thought, and this is a way to teach people a little bit about money that isn't so hard. Read this whole book, you know, and concentrate and focus. That's hard. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break and come back with Chelly Campbell. I could listen to you all day. You have such fascinating takeout things. We'll be <laughs> right back. And so stay tuned and we'll, uh, we'll be with you in just a moment. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources that are committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes which have links to learn more. Today, we're pleased to feature a magnificent combination of something you might not expect, brain, arts, and productions. Well, that's actually the name of their group. It's brainartsproductions.org. And what they're about is building financial literacy through the creative arts. They provide unique residencies and curriculum designed to reach your community because financial literacy has never been more crucial and isn't always easy to, to obtain. You gotta start early in life. And what these folks know is as experienced educators and curriculum developers, they take pride in making experiential cutting edge programs that can be completely facilitated by brain arts professional educators or designed for your team to expertly deliver. So you've got your choice. Check out who they work with across the country and reach out to start a conversation about how they can make something just for you. They've got offices in Chicago and they consult everywhere. And who do they consult with? Well, banks and financial institutions, credit unions, financial service providers to develop unique and innovative programs to help their customers develop strong skills and gain knowledge about topics ranging from savings accounts to credit scores to mutual funds and beyond. These programs can be completely facilitated by brain arts or be out of the box for your staff to easily implement it. They also work with museums and exhibits, whether it's designing an entirely new event or creating a passive program to enhance patrons' experience of a current exhibit, they use inquiry-based learning and their own brand of immersive learning to create an unforgettable experience. And they absolutely work first and foremost with schools to design programs to fit schools' very specific needs, whether in school or after school, one time or ongoing. Their approach to learning is always a fun, exciting experience that students remember forever. And that's exactly what we want. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. 
We are back with Kelly Campbell, and I have been so enjoying her stories, her, I'm going to say her willingness to share her life's journey with us. And you can see that what has really been, I think, fascinating for people who want to learn and understand how they can become financially powerful and healthy and wealthy is that Shelly makes it very real, very human. And so I want to just mention a couple of things. First of all, you can definitely go check out her books on Amazon. Shelly Campbell is spelled C-H-E-L-L-I-E. And then Campbell is spelled the traditional way, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. That's also her, web, her website, Shelly.com. <laughs> right. Because Shelly, Shelly gets to be a one, a one word person, a one name person here. I so, know back in 1998, when people were starting to get websites, I went, well, I'm going to have to have that, but I'm going to do a lot of things. So how am I going to pick a name that encompasses everything? Well, I'll just use Shelly. And it was available. Perfect. Yeah. So you were, you were uh, uh, somebody who jumped right into the beginning and got something to go, C-H-E-L-L-I-E dot com. Even faster, even easier, even more fun. So, I know, once you've got the spelling of my name, you've got me forever because my email is Shelly at Shelly dot com. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Now, Shelly has something special for people who go to her website. I'm going to say a little bit about it and ask her about it. If you go to her website over on the right side, you're going to see that you can get fabulous 14 abundance affirmations. So you want to check that out and get that for yourself. Chelly, tell us about affirmations. They play a big role in um, getting people beyond some of their not so empowering stories, don't they? Well, the whole thing behind affirmations is uh, the power of positive thinking works. The best scientific proof of that is placebo. When they do scientific experiments, the people who take the placebo get better too. They always improve. So what can that be but mind over matter? So we have to engage the spirit even in our material way of accumulating wealth. We have to. So I knew that if I'm happy and bright and look like I'm successful, people are drawn to me. Okay, the good people. Uh, I learned you want to attract the people you want and repel the people you don't want, which was very key for me because I was raised to be a good girl and I thought I had to appeal to everybody. Big mistake. Be who you are. This is what they're talking about. Be yourself with all your foibles, your peccadillos, your interesting, odd things, show those because then your people are going to like it and the other people aren't and they'll go away. Then your life will be happier. <laughs> so I believed in affirmations. I learned them. I studied them. I got some old books. My mother gave me the game of life and how to play it by Florence Shin and, uh, it, it just, I got that attitude that when I was happy and looked happy, that more good stuff happened to me. So you can program it because there's your, your head is telling you 60,000 things all the time. And a lot of that about money is all doom and gloom and people, you know, uh, what is it? Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is oh. the root of all evil. Terrible Rich things. people are bad and greedy, you know, all yeah. of that. It's just really sick. So you really have to start thinking more positively about money. So when I did my page a day, I said, I'm going to put an affirmation on every page too. The people can use that affirmation for the day. 
But of course, we all have favorites. So I put together my top 14 favorites. Um, and I will tell you that I got an agent in New York. I'm shopping the wealthy spirit. And I have an interest from Deb Worksman, who's an editor at Sourcebooks. And she wants to talk to me, Lisa says, but she just wants to make a change or two. And I said, okay, great. So we have a get acquainted call. And I said, well, Lisa says you want to change some stuff in the book. And she said, yes. And I said, well, like what? She said, well, first of all, all the affirmations have to come out. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, this is another not going to happen because, but now I'm feisty, okay? I'm not trying to be all pleasing. Now I'm feisty. I've gotten enough turndowns and I want somebody who's right for my book. So I go, oh yeah, why do you think that? She goes, well, <laughs> Kelly, there are 97 affirmation books out there. I can't go to my 40s salespeople and say we're doing another affirmation book. I said, okay. oh, you think everybody knows this already? She goes, well, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you a question. She goes, what? I said, are you doing them? She goes, uh, I said, positive affirmations about money specifically. Are you doing them every day? She goes, no, I'm not. I said, then I challenge you for three weeks, 21 days, every day, you got to do this list. This is my top 14. If you don't have better experiences with money in these next three weeks, I'll take the affirmations out. She goes, uh, I said, not to do this is to have contempt prior to investigation. (laughs) She goes, okay, I'll do it. She calls me three weeks later. She says, Jelly, I can't believe what's happening. I said, what? She said, I'm getting money out of the air. People are sending me money. I don't know why. They're paying me back loans. I forgot they owed me. I got a bonus at work. I've never gotten a bonus here before. I'm getting bigger book deals. I said, are you doing the affirmation? She goes, yeah, every day in the car on the way to work and before I go to bed. I said, anything else you're doing differently? She said, no. I said, so can the affirmation stay in the book now? She goes, yeah. <laughs> and that's why now they're in the I- book. So that's the 14 that I, wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's a big wow. Yeah. That's a wow for sure. You did something, which is you gave her the opportunity to discover a wow herself. Yes. And she did. Yeah. It wasn't a a who's right and who's wrong. I was like, let's find out. Let's investigate. Yeah. So anyway, um, she had a great experience. The, The affirmation stayed in the book. And that's still the fabulous 14 that I give away free on my website. It's up to you to do them. If you don't do them, if you do them like, and people love to give me money, it's not going to work. Okay. (laughs) It's for you to build up your energy in a positive focus instead of a negative focus. So you have to do it that way with that energy. Let it call forth and keep doing it and see what happens and then write me. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to say that Shelly has issued a wonderful positive challenge, which is let her know what happened. And what's great is you can go to Shelly.com and you can do exactly that. Shelly, it has been such a pleasure. I could talk with you all morning and we're going to um, kind of wrap it up now. Let our listeners go out and start going to your website and getting that and practicing their affirmations and really just tuning into what is behind and underneath the joy of the wealthy spirit. So thank you for being with me here today, Shelly. Thank you for inviting me. It's always fun to talk to you, Diane. 
Thank you. Well, I'm going to say farewell to our listeners for now. We'll be back soon with more amazing conversations on WOW Whispering. Thank you so much and have a magnificent morning, day, evening, and nighttime. All right, toodaloo. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of WOW Whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the WOWs and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.